1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
0: Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to Believe in Raiders Podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford. Ralph, Stan, how we doing?
1: Pretty good, pretty good, man. Uh, back, to, back to football this week. Uh, got this big game coming up. So, uh, man, definitely uh, back on. We got uh, the Houston Texans and the Las Vegas Raiders. So, hey, no more bye week. Hopefully we can get back on this uh, this winning stretch.
0: Absolutely. As you mentioned, the Raiders back in action following the bye week. They're going to host the Houston Texans on Sunday. Stan, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Raiders are currently in last place in the AFC. Not only the division, but in the AFC, they're actually even behind yeah. the Texans uh, who are 1-3-1. and one. But you know what? On Wednesday, if you listen to the players, I mean, they sound very optimistic coming back from the bye. I mean, Devontae Adams saying the Raiders have a really good team, and that's what's so frustrating about the start. Running back Josh Jacobs, who's off to a great start himself, saying, you know, I have no doubt that we're going to get this thing together. Stan, they're saying the right things. Are you buying into what they're saying, or is this just lip service?
1: I think that uh when you really look at how the Raiders have played throughout the uh, the first five games of the season, you're up 17-0 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody knows they're a good team. You're up against the uh, uh the Arizona Cardinals 20 to 0. Obviously they're struggling. We see they're uh they're doing their thing right now currently against the uh New Orleans Saints. But my point what I'm trying to make is I believe that right now you could very well as the Las Vegas Raiders be 3 and 2 instead of one and four. And I think when you really break it down from that aspect, uh, you should have beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You should have beat the Arizona Cardinals. And so I can see why there's a level of optimism because it's not that the Raiders are getting blown out in these games. It's that, hey, guys, we just simply got to finish. We just simply got to have a play here, a play there, or should I say it not, uh, or should I say erase a negative play here and there, things like that. And we very well could have a different record, Right now, as we're coming off of this bye week, so I can see why they're optimistic as far as the outlook going forward over, let's say, the next uh, month and a half.
0: Sam, let yes, me ask you this: I mean, Bill Parcells, former great coach in the NFL, always said your record says what you what you are, and the Raiders are one and four. Oh, teams. no doubt
1: about it. Go ahead. Yeah, no doubt about it, and that's exactly what the Raiders are right now. They're a one and fourteen. They're last in the AFC, and you are what your record says you are because it just shows that you're one and four which means you've been victorious one time, you've lost four games. Now, when you go and look inside the game and look at the stats, you actually watch the game. You see the Raiders are not a bad team as far as their personnel, their talent, but they're a bad team when it comes to actually finishing in the fourth quarter. That's why, uh, Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. You're a one in four football team. Now, are you better than what most one in four football teams look like? Yeah, you are but your record is still what you truly are. So even though they're playing competitive football against some of the better teams in the NFL, some of the better teams in the AFC, you're still not translating to W's because you're not finishing. That's why you're one and four, not because you're a crappy team.
0: You know, Stan, I was looking at some of these numbers and it's it's kind of remarkable that the Raiders don't have a better record. I mean, They had their bias, so they played one fewer game than all the twenty nine other teams. I mean, Josh Jacobs is third in the NFL right now in rushing with nearly five hundred yards. Devontae Adams Mm -hmm. was tied for third in touchdowns with five. Max Crosby is tied with in sacks with six, and then Daniel Carlson is tied for the NFL lead in points. And you are like, absolutely. You know these guys are performing, but maybe not everybody else is performing to where they should be.
1: And that's exactly Fair? why we're saying how you got to close out games. You have to go ahead and make those plays in the fourth quarter because mm-hmm. let's go ahead and take a look, right? Mm-hmm. Now, right now, I'm I, I'm not sure if you have any right in front of you, but you just said, Devontae Adams has how many touchdowns this year? He's got five. He's got a high number of receptions. Yes. You know, like I said, he's 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 playing well. <laughs> he's obviously showing why everybody wanted him and why the Reds were so fortunate to get him. Within the trade from Green Bay, would you agree with that? Would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Exactly. So now here we go. My next point is when we look at the final play against the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football, what happened between Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro?
0: Unfortunately, one of them ran the wrong route and they ended up colliding incomplete. And loss, now game over.
1: When you when you go and look at that play you see that they press Devontae Adams at the line of scrimmage. And what happens, and I know this all too well from playing so much man coverage out in Oakland, (laughs) California, when you play press man, you are now forcing the receiver to take a wider arc release to try to go ahead and escape, evade your press man coverage. Well, doing just that is what made Devontae Adams have to take more of an arc release inside, which then put him on the same level as Hunter Renfro, and thus they wind up bumping into each other. So... We all know Devontae Adams has been balling this year. We all know that. 29 catches, 414 yards, five touchdowns. We all know that. But on that final play, they press him at the line of scrimmage. They take him off of his stem. He winds up colliding with Hunter Renfro Incompletion. game over. Two receivers are both on the ground. Everybody who was watching it at home, myself included, all of a sudden sees two receivers on the ground. I'm assuming there's got to be a pass interference somewhere. Somewhere within that within that ordeal. Yeah. Turns out it wasn't because they simply bumped into each other. So, to your point, yeah, you got a lot of guys who are playing well for the Las Vegas Raiders this year. But in key moments, that right there is why you're one in four. Because in key moments, you're not getting it done. You're not making the play. Now, I'm not putting the one in four record on Devontae Adams. I'm just simply using him as an example sure. as to how the Raiders have several players who are tops of the league at the stats for their respectable position, but you're still one and four. So when you say, yes, Stan, when I look at the stats, it's hard to believe that this team is one and four when you look at the stats. And I agree right there with you. And that's why football is such a beautiful sport, how you can play well for 58 minutes. And then the final two minutes have a few hiccups here and there and go home with an L. You can play well like the Raiders did. They were up (laughs) 17-0. And then somehow, some way, lose the game. So that's why, like I say, you cannot let them color all your vision completely because they do not always tell the entire story. They tell a good amount of it, but always not the entire story because it's those key moments in crunch time, usually within the last five minutes of the game, where one team is able to make more plays than the other, and that's why one team wins and the other team loses.
0: And what's that old saying? We're looking at things through rose-colored glasses. I think something like that. All right, well, ever the optimist Derek Carr, here's what he's saying, that the Raiders really aren't that far off.
2: We know what we're capable of. of. Um, We haven't, we didn't win as many games as we thought we would at this point. Uh, That's for sure. Um, But it's all within, you know, so many points. And so we know that we're close. And again, we've always said this, close doesn't count, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, But, you know, like my Dodgers man hopefully we get hot at the right time you know they kind of went the other way and that hurts my heart because I love them so much you know Uh, so hopefully we can go the other way we had a big correction uh, correction time during the bye week um, to look at to self-scout to look at ourselves um, and really just be honest about it and some of those things came up today in practice and and we did some of those things well Um, and so you would hope that you can be a better football team as you keep correcting those things that come up, right? Um, you're not, We're never going to be perfect, um, but we can make corrections and we can get better. And we believe that and we believe that, um, you know, that I'll say we're confident in what we're capable of, but it's not like you know anyone's coming to town and handing us wins you know you have to go earn everything in this league team coming coming to town this week everyone's saying you know they got one win all that i turn the film on they're they're one of the fastest defenses i've ever seen they're punching balls out they're picking passes off you know the running the running back and the quarterback are really good players good young players in this league they got wideouts. the offensive line like you go all the way across you watch this team on the kicking game and you're like it's everything i've ever believed about the nfl the records never matter you know you have to go play and you got to earn your victories in this league
0: all right, that was Derek Carr not quite having the year that we're used to. Some of his numbers are way down as well. But you can check out those numbers and everything else on Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and line. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, yes, even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Stan, let me ask you this. I know the Astros are in the American League Championship Series against the New York Yankees. Texas is a football state through and through, so – in your own backyard, you've got the Texans, you've got the Astros, and you've got the Rockets. Who's the most popular team there in Texas – and beg your part in the Houston?
1: Oh, oh, man, I'd say, uh, wow, who's the most celebrated? Obviously the uh, Houston Astros. But as far as, like, the most popular, I think because Texas is still a football state, um, you still tend to have more people that are going to go to the games regardless of the win-loss for the Houston Texans than you will – for the houston astros so i would say the astros are more celebrated but i would say you probably still have more attendance per uh per game year in year out for the texans than you do the astros
0: and is college or pro football dominant the airwaves there more in houston
1: oh <laughs> i would probably have to go with the nfl just because um, right now, presently assembled, you don't have a power five school in the city of Houston. I say presently okay. assembled right now, because next year that's going to change. But I would say uh, right now, the Houston Texans, they dominate the airways more than any college in the Houston area. Now, obviously you got Texas A&M that's 90 miles away. It's right up the road. But as far as in the city of Houston, I probably would go with NFL dominating the airways more than college.
0: Okay. Jen, let me ask you this. We've talked about it earlier, the Raiders coming off their bye. How do you to spend your bye week? Did you just take the whole week off? Did you maybe go on vacation somewhere, or did you maybe just take a couple of days off and then get back into your normal routine?
1: Oh, well, usually our bye week would usually start probably maybe sometimes, maybe Wednesday if, you know, obviously we won the game before the bye week. Uh, but usually it would start on Thursday because we'd have practice probably – uh maybe tuesday and wednesday and then maybe a quick one thursday morning something like that uh so usually i would just come back to texas and just kind of go get away for a little bit for a couple days and then you know arrive back sunday evening because we'd have a meeting or of some sort and then you know back to work monday morning uh as usual so for me i would just try to get away usually back home for a couple days unwind go ahead and rest a little bit recharge and then get ready for that run that, uh, that you're going to make down the stretch right after that bye week.
0: All right, Stan, I got a question for you. How many great teams do you think we have in the AFC? Great.
1: Uh, I'll tell you like I will answer that question with how many great teams do we have in the NFL? And well, I don't really that, think it's right. that that's the logistics, really,
0: but I'm just trying to focus on the AFC for the Raiders.
1: I think right now, um, you have a lot of parity in yes. the NFL right now. I think that's what a lot of people are 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 overlooking. And I think that because there's so much parity, that's why I don't think you really have in, I think you have the Buffalo Bills. They're five and one. Yes. Right. so Agreed. obviously, but, but the Buffalo Bills lost to who? The Miami Dolphins. Right. So that's why when you really look at it, but then they turn around and then beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't really see a truly elite team okay. right now Great. in the AFC at all. Obviously, I'd say the Buffalo is the better, is they got the best roster. I still think the Chiefs, when it comes down to it, in the playoffs, we'll beat the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, I know they lost on Sunday, but in the playoffs, I still see in the Chiefs beating the Buffalo Bills. But when you ask who's who are the uh, best teams in the AFC, or I'm sorry, your original question was, do I see an elite team in the AFC? No, I don't.
0: I was looking at the standings, and I mentioned you know earlier the Raiders were in last place in the AFC. But Stan, there are eight teams currently sitting
1: at either three and three or two and four. And you talk about that parity. Yeah. I mean, that just screams the entire AFC parody. North is the entire AFC North is what you just described.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so my my point <laughs> is is like I know the Raiders are in last place right now in the AFC, but I believe that there is so much parity that the Raiders could actually maybe go on a run and, and get back into the thick of yes. this thing. Remember, we play seventeen games now. There are seven playoff teams from each conference. It's not like it was a few years ago when it was sixteen games exactly, and only, and only twelve teams made it. Am I being too optimistic? Uh, looking and, at this. Uh, well, uh,
1: well, here we go to answer your question. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm going to just I'm going to list six names. You tell me the first thing that comes to your head pops into your head when I list these six names. Okay, <clears throat> Houston, Houston Texans. What comes to mind?
0: Lovey Smith. They're they're competitive, but they're one three and
1: one. Exactly, New Orleans Saints.
0: Oh geez, all I know is Dennis Allen's <laughs> their coach, and good luck to them.
1: Exactly, Jacksonville Jaguars,
0: uh, improving. How about that? Improving. exactly,
1: <laughs> but
0: but they're still what are they? They're one of the two and four teams, I believe.
1: Exactly, Indianapolis Colts.
0: Oh geez, I don't know how they're three, two, and one stand. That is that's one of them and the Jets. To me, are the two biggest head scratchers. How they how they're both over five hundred.
1: Denver Broncos.
0: Oh geez. Okay, Stan, let me ask exactly. you I'm going to ask you something. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I'm, when, the, when the Broncos acquired Russell Wilson, I was like, okay, I think mm-hmm. they're probably the second best team. Stan, have you seen someone to that caliber fall off the table that quickly? It's just a head scratch for oh, me. What's I, I, going on with him?
1: It's the, the, for, for one, he's now in a new conference. That's number right. one. Number okay. two, he's got a new head coach. He's got a new offensive coordinator. He is in a completely new city for 10 years he was in Pacific Northwest, Seattle, right. Washington. Yep. He knew he knew he probably could uh just like I could in Oakland, he could drive to the facility with his eyes closed. Sure. Now he's in Denver. He's up there the you know Rocky Mountain high. He's up there you know the mile high city. So right. it's different. Different environment, different coaching staff, different teammates. Everything's different. Different color. It went from Go Hawks to now what is it? Uh Let's Uh, ride, I think. Let's ride, yeah. So my (laughs) point I'm trying to make is he's only six games in, so you got to give him a little bit more time. But to me, to me, once again, I'll ask this question. Let's take away the Super Bowl victory up there at MetLife Stadium against the Denver Broncos when they they massacred them Mm -hmm. along with Peyton Manning. Let's take that away, the Super Bowl victory away. Let's take away the Super Bowl appearance against the Patriots. And let's just completely stand on all of Russell Wilson's accomplishments and stats minus the Super Bowls. Take those away. Are you, do you revere Russell Wilson as much if you take those Super Bowls away?
0: I still do personally because I thought he had some really bad offenses for a long time. In mm-hmm. particular, they didn't really have a running game. Uh, very suspect offensive lines uh, year in and year out uh, up in Seattle. I know Tom Cable was the offensive line coach for a long time up there. Seattle. Yes. So uh-huh. I personally did up until up until right Do now. Do you still
1: Seattle. revere him as a superstar? Do you still revere, revere not right him now. as? Not,
0: not right now. I don't know. No,
1: no, I'm, t- I'm talking about, No, I'm talking about for his first 10 years in Seattle. Oh, I thought he was. Take one away. Definitely. Okay. I take take still away was, the
0: Super Bowl. Right. And I still take thought away he was the top, Super Bowl. Yeah. I still Go thought ahead. he was a Top six or seven quarterback. I really did.
1: Okay, exactly. Now, let's take away the Legion of Boom. How many wins do you see Russell Wilson having in Seattle minus the Legion of Boom? Oof.
0: Well, let's think about this, because the last few years in Seattle, he didn't really have that Legion of Boom. And he did get them at least to the first or second round of the playoffs a couple of times, Dan. I can't remember exactly the, the, the numbers. So, uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so... And and so the point what I'm trying to make is, right, with Russell Wilson right now, obviously things are not looking well for the Denver Broncos. He's struggling. We know that. But my point what I'm trying to make is, when have you seen Russell Wilson be a uber successful quarterback without the Legion of Boom? I see what you're saying. Okay. So my point what I'm trying to make is, in my opinion, obviously this version of Russ, obviously we know is not in my opinion, the real Russ. I don't think he's fallen off a cliff. I don't think he's taken a precipitous decline. I just simply think that you're seeing Russell Wilson out of a Seattle uniform. I think you're seeing Russell Wilson minus the Legion of Boom. I think you've been seeing that for the past four or five years. And as you just said, you saw a team up there in Seattle with DK Metcalf having uh, the other guy Lockett on the other side of receiver who, yeah, they got an offense. They can score some points. They can make some plays. But you're not really thinking of them as a contender in the, in the NFC. And so my point that what I'm trying to make is with all that being said, Russell Wilson, minus the Super Bowls, my, uh, I feel he's revered less than what he is right now, minus the Super Bowls. I think if you take away the Legion of Boom, you don't have any Super Bowls, which thus you start to think of him as a really good quarterback, but you don't think of him as a superstar. You don't necessarily think of him as an automatic lock first round ballot, hall, first ballot Hall of Fame. We all know he's going to the Hall of Fame. Right? We know that. But you started looking at him more like in that Matt Ryan category, yeah. a lot of numbers, sure. good stats. We know he's a good quarterback Ain't like, like no disrespect to him, but we're not exactly looking at him as a lock first ballot hall of famer like we do. So all I'm simply saying is I think in my opinion, you take the super bowls, take away the Legion of boom. I think that completely changes the complexity of how you look and evaluate and revere Russell Wilson. Good stuff. All
0: right, let's move on and talk about the Raiders and the Texans, and the Raiders will be without their top corner, Nate Hobbs. They've lost him for the next four weeks. He's arguably the Raiders' best corner. He suffered a broken hand against the Chiefs, and although he did finish the game, it was necessary to have the procedure done. Stan, I'm looking at this Texans team. I've watched them play a couple of times. I'm like, I know they're in your own backyard, but I'm like, who are these guys? Davis Mills, their starting quarterback. Damian Pierce, uh, starting running back. Nico Collins, uh, one of their top wide receivers, but uh, like i said they're in your backyard break this team down for uh, raider nation
1: oh man <laughs> let me see here how can i break this team down i think uh davis mills obviously he's got a lot of growing to do we all know that the offense there's still it's a lot left to be desired you got brandon cooks over there who still does his thing at the receiver position and you have a defense that's now going to be more cover two base obviously uh you got uh my man out of lsu Derek stingley He's out there. He's doing some things. Obviously, he's got some growing to do as well. Uh, But I think that when you look at how Lovey Smith, who's known, he's historically known as a cover two type of defensive-minded coach, that's a lot of what you're seeing out of of, uh, the Houston Texans. And week one, they have a very nice, sizable lead against the Indianapolis Colts. They blow it in the fourth quarter. The game ends in a tie. So you're not going to see the Texans really getting just blown off of the field. But obviously, they're not able to go ahead and really punch it in the way they can put W's in the win column. So you're just seeing you're going to see a a team that's going to fight hard. You're going to see a team that's going to play hard. You're going to see a team that has at times good coaching and at times spotty coaching, and that's why thus you see the record that they have. So this is definitely a winnable game for the Las Vegas Raiders, but. If the Raiders come out, stub their toe early, they come into the game sleepwalking, they very well could walk out of this game losing to the Houston Texans. And that'll just be an, an outright, just, you know, uh, just a complete letdown, a very depressing, uh, if you will, performance, if you were to see that on Sunday. But like I said before, this is not a good team, this is not a great team, but this is a team that they still have players. They still get paid every Tuesday. So you better come with your chin strap buckle because if you don't, this team is capable of beating you Sunday afternoon. Can't take them away.
0: Stan, have always regarded Lovey Smith as a defensive-minded coach. Uh, do the Texans take on his personality? My other question is, you know, the Raiders can score points. So if this game becomes a shootout, can the Texans keep up with the Raiders from an offensive standpoint?
1: I think from an offensive standpoint, it's going to be very difficult for them to keep up with the Raiders in okay. a shootout. Uh, I think that would be, I think that right there, if it winds up getting to that, I don't think that the Texans have the, fi- the firepower to do that. No, I do not. Uh, and like I said, that's where, in my opinion, I think the Texans, I'm sorry, the Raiders need to go ahead and try to attack the Texans in the secondary, go ahead, get some points early on, make Houston one-dimensional, make Davis Mills have to beat you with his arm, things like that. So I think that, uh, no, to answer your question, they cannot hang with the Raiders in a shootout, blow for blow. They can't do that. And that might very well be the recipe to be successful on Sunday afternoon through the air. Well, this game will
0: feature brother versus brother Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels versus Ben McDaniels, who's an assistant wide receivers coach for the Texans. And here's Josh on facing his brother.
1: Yeah, these are always interesting. Um, So um, I got a lot of uh, respect and admiration for my brother and uh the job he does he's a very good coach and these are uh fun you know things to look back
2: on you know years from now you know talking about you know when we have played each other and coached against one another so I've tried to recruit my mom and dad to you know silver and black for sure this week which I am I'm, I'm, I'm I think I'm winning that war right now so um yeah but it it is what it is um we won't talk a whole lot about football
0: all right, Stan. I want to talk about a couple of players on offense that seem to be struggling in Josh McDaniels' scheme, and that's Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I feel like between injuries and ineffectiveness with Waller, he's been kind of non-existent. We know that uh, Hunter Renfro had the concussion, missed a couple games. Are you seeing the struggles that I'm seeing, and is this something that you think is just simply learning a new scheme, uh, and the o- entire offense um, has, you know, trying to learn on the fly?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably more a little bit of uh, the latter. You know, just like I said, it's a new, new regime. It's a new head coach, new offense coordinator, new play calling, just complete new vibe within the facility, a completely different philosophy. And obviously, it takes time to go ahead and get acclimated where you both get on the same page. Derek Carr and Devontae Adams played together back in college. So that way for Derek Carr, it's just going back to his days at Fresno State. But for Hunter Renfro and for Darren Waller, they're getting used to a new play caller within Josh McDaniels, new offensive mindset, new philosophy. And so that to me is why you're able to see Devontae Adams seemingly not miss a beat going from Green Bay to Las Vegas, Sin City. That right there is why you're not seeing him proverbially struggle versus a Hunter Renfro and a Darren Waller, I think it just takes time. We're only five games into this, not six. We're five games into this, and I think that you got to go ahead and have a little bit more patience before you just make the automatic assessment or evaluation of a Hunter Renfro and a Darren Darren Waller, let's say, falling off the cliff, having a decline in their ability or something like that. I think it's just more just a circumstantial type of thing.
0: Yeah, two years ago, Darren Waller with over 100 catches, and then last year, Hunter Renfro with over 100 catches. As well. All right, I got a little trivia for you, Stan. You ready? The Texans mm-hmm. Let's are. Let's do it. Believe it or not, the Texans are 8 and 4 all time versus the Raiders. They are one of seven teams with a winning record against the Raiders. Stan, can you name the other six? No, no, no cheating now, Stan. Come on now.
1: Man, uh, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to be able to uh, <laughs> answer that question. Uh, <laughs> off the top of my head, with the running I record, didn't even I didn't think there was that many,
0: uh, honest, but I really didn't.
1: Six. A couple I, would I don't think say... you're ever going to get. I would say, okay. I would say that maybe one in the division. Yes. Maybe the Chiefs, Broncos, or uh, Chargers. Maybe one of those. Yep. It's the Chiefs. That's one. Um, I would say as far as the, uh, I I'll would say the hint. Patriots. Two are
0: in the, two are in the oh, Patriots. There you go. That's two. The other, Yeah, two. I would say the
1: Patriots, and then
0: there's two in the NFC. I'll give you a hint.
1: Yeah, in the NFC. I would probably go with, I would probably say the two teams in the NFC that have winning records versus the Raiders. Yep. I probably would, I probably would go with the Packers as one of them. Oh, good one, Stan. Okay. There's three um, left. And these are hard. They're hard. Not- uh, I would say we got one left. I don't think that I'm going to get the answer correct, but I'm going to say I would guess it is probably out of. The Cowboys, 49ers, or let's say <laughs> the Cowboys, the 49ers, or or out of the NFC, or maybe an NFC South team. So I'd say Cowboys, 49ers, or an NFC South team. Okay.
0: Cowboys, 49ers, no. But you're, the, the, the NFC South team, you are correct. It, believe it or not, they have a losing record against the
1: Atlanta Falcons. Um, oh, I would. And that's that's the main team in the NFC South. I was thinking about, too, because uh, they don't play the Falcons that often. Right. And the last several times they played the Falcons, they lost to them.
0: Yeah. Falcons lead that series eight, seven. The Ravens lead the Raiders nine, four.
1: Oh, and then this know.
0: one, I don't think you would have ever gotten. I think it's going to surprise a lot of Raider Nation. They, the Jacksonville Jaguars actually own a winning record against <laughs> the Raiders. Dan. They won five of the nine matchups.
1: Wow. You know, yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars have won a lot of games recently against the Raiders. So, yep. yeah, that's not completely far-fetched. It's not. Yeah, no, I couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't wow. believe
0: it. Like I said, the, the tough ones to me were the, the Ravens, wow. the Falcons, and the Jaguars. We did pretty good. I mean, you got the Packers, you got wow. the Chiefs, and you got the Patriots. So that was all very impressive. Mm-hmm. All right, my man, let's play a little over-under mm-hmm. like we do every all week. Right. I want to start with Josh Jacobs because that man is definitely playing for a new deal, whether it's with the Raiders or somebody yes. else, Dan. He's got nearly 300 combined rushing yards in the last two games alone. We talked about earlier he's got 490 for the season. I'm going to go over under at 125.
1: Oh, man, I would go under. I would say under for, uh, for his rushing total on Sunday afternoon, 125. I do think he's going to have a good day, but I think it's going to be under 125.
0: So I looked this up. The Texans have one of the worst defenses in terms of yards allowed. They rank 31st, but they actually just give up under 20 points a game. Man, Josh Mm -hmm. has really got it going on lately. I think he's going to top 100, but to put up those kind of numbers in three straight games, I'm with you. I think he's going to go under, but I still think he's going to have over 100 yards rushing. All right, Derek Carr. Exactly. Exactly. 256 on the season, Stan. So I'm going to put the over under at 250.
1: Ah, man. Uh, I would say he's going to. I would say that Derek Carr is going to be under 250. I would say he's going to be under. I think he's going to have a good game. But like you just said, the Texans, they only give up 20 points a game. So it's not like they're just, you know, getting blown out of the water as far as uh, on the scoreboard. And that's why I think you're going to see more of a quote-unquote pedestrian-like game for Derek Carr as far as his yardage total.
0: All right, I th- I'm with you. I think he's going to throw for like 225, somewhere around in there. I'm going to give him mm-hmm. a couple touchdown yeah. passes. In uh, no picks. All right, I'm going to throw this name in there because we haven't talked about him much this season. We usually always go Devontae Adams, but I want to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to go Hunter Renfro. How about Hunter Renfro? Five receptions. Now, he's averaging five receptions in the three, the three games that he's played, but Stan, only seven yards of reception. He's like he's either not getting any separation or everything's just dink and dunk for him. So let's go five receptions, Hunter Renfro against the Texans Sunday. Over. I think he's going to be
1: over. I think you're going to see over five receptions on Sunday. I think that they're going to come into the game uh, making a a massive statement or just an obvious an obvious objective of taking Devontae Adams at out of the game. And I think that you're going to see Hunter Renfro be more of the main target on Sunday. I don't I'm not sure they really have a, an answer for him in the slot or anything like that. Obviously, the Texans drafted a lot of guys young early in the draft within a uh, Jalen Petrie and obviously Derek Stingley going first round number three overall. I think that you're going to see more of the balls going to Hunter Renfro on Sunday because they're going to make a concerted effort to take Devontae Adams out of the game.
0: We're taping this on Thursday night. We don't know if Darren Waller is going to be playing. He did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. been dealing with a hamstring injury. All right, Stan, uh, the Raiders, their defense has just three takeaways on the season. I'm going to put the over under at two.
1: Mm, I would say I would go ahead and, and call that even or call that a push. I think they're probably going to have two. Uh, I don't think it's going to be over, definitely. I would say uh, they're going to have – it's going to be even. I'd say they're going to they're gonna have two.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I was going to go push as well. I don't think they get more than two, but I do think they'll create some turnovers against that Texans offense. All right, let's take a look at some division games now, my friend, and let's start with the Jets at Broncos. Who do you like in that one?
1: Oh, man, those Jets. I don't know what it is about them, but the Jets, they're, like, they're humming. They already beat the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm not sure what the record is right now. I think it's four, four and two, two it is. I believe. Yeah. So uh, I, I would go with the Jets over the over the uh, Broncos. I like the way Sauce Gardner is playing. I loved Robert Sala when he was a defense coordinator for the 49ers. He's now bringing that defense to the East Coast up there in Gotham City. I would go with the Jets over the Broncos. This one looked
0: like had all the makings of a great game a few weeks ago, but now I'm kind of scratching my head about it. The Kansas City Chiefs at the San Francisco 49ers.
1: Mm, I would go with the 49ers. Really? Actually. At home? Uh, the 49ers, I like their defense. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, we know that he knows how to slow down high-powered offenses by simply just drowning the clock with the run game. I think D'Amico Ryans, obviously, defensive coordinator who's on the rise. He has that team playing well. Now, they have had a series of injuries. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. But I think Kyle Shanahan, something about the way he has the Los Angeles Rams number. I feel that he's going to be able to, through ball control, controlling the clock, running the ball on the ground, he's going to be able to find a way to neutralize this Kansas City high-powered offense. And he's going to be able to get after them on the defense side of the ball by all the bells and whistles, the shifts and motions that you're always going to see on an offense that's led by Kyle Shanahan. And now Jimmy G is back in at the helm. That's why I think the 49ers are going to pull off this uh, this Chiefs upset. Well, we know for one of the rare times, Raider fans are going to be pulling for the 49ers.
0: I'm going to go with the Chiefs on the road. I think this is going to be a close game. And I think Patrick Mahomes and company is going to pull it out at the end. All right. Seahawks at Chargers. I think for some reason, this seems to be an interesting game to me. I can, still can't yeah. make out the Chargers. I, I don't know what to make of them. And actually, Seattle is better than I thought, Stan. Geno Smith is actually balling up there uh, yeah. in, up in the great yes. Northwest.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that uh, right now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks won this game. Uh, the Chargers are going to be at home. So I think that obviously, they're going to have a little bit of an advantage. But I, I have a sneaky feeling that the Seahawks will somehow, some way nudge the Chargers.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think it's going to be a, a close game. And uh, for some reason, I don't know why my gut's just saying the Seahawks uh, are going to stun the Chargers in LA. All right, finally, our Raiders, seven point favorites against the Texans, the over under 45.5. Give me a prediction, Stan.
1: Oh, man. I would say the Las Vegas Raiders, 30, Houston Texans, 21. Oh,
0: okay. I was going pretty close. I think the Raiders are definitely going to put up 30 as well. I was going to go 30 to 20, Uh, the Raiders, with the victory they cover. And if you take our two scores, you combine them. I don't know who's betting out there, but you would go over with the over and under being 45 and a half. So let's hope the Raiders are listening to Stan and I and they can pick up victory number two on this season. As always, my partner, great stuff.
1: My man, always happy to do it. Can't wait till next week.
0: Let's hope we're well, let's hope we're in a good mood. We're talking about a Raiders (laughs) victory and and then talking about the upcoming game against the New Orleans Saints. All right, Raider Nation, that's gonna do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast, presented by Bet Online and my partner Stanford Route. I'm Dennis Sackerman. Thanks so much for listening. May all your punts find the coffin corner. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.